0: Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. God willing, we'll finish this chapter today. Finish chapter 20 and move on to chapter 21 next week. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Father, how often have we read the Gospel Story of Jesus opening blind eyes and how we might come to this passage this morning thinking, I've heard that. Nothing new. Father, we pray You would keep us from from such a view of, of, of Christ and His Word. And we pray, Lord God, that You would open our eyes to see wonderful things in Your Gospel. Father, we ask that uh, You would show us ways in our lives in which we need to be humbled, ways in which we need to better see our desperate need for You. We pray, Lord, that You would show us ways in which we might be blind to what You want us to see. We pray, Lord God, that we would, in a new way, be amazed by grace. We pray, Lord God, that You would Satisfy us with yourself that we might be joyful in you all our days. We pray Lord that your gospel would go forth in power and if there's anyone here who's blind to the good news of Jesus that today would be the day God that you open their eyes and that you grant them new life in Jesus. Lord you know what we've come here with, what burdens we have, what sins we, we struggle with, what what our past is, Lord, you know what we need better than we do, and we pray, Lord God, that you would meet our needs today, even better than we know to ask. And so Holy Spirit, come and work through your word to do all that you want us to do at All Baptist Church. Help us, God. We need you. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. Amen. This healing that we see today is a perfect picture of what we have learned in the past few weeks. Unlike the self-righteous, rich young ruler and unlike Jesus' disciples who seek the greatest position, these blind, poor beggars are utterly helpless. Like a child, all they can do is cry and hope. It's impossible for them to help themselves. They must hope in Jesus. In Jesus, they find all that they need and more. In begging and crying out, they have died to self, died to their reputations, died to their desire to be thought well of by others. They're totally dead. They trust Jesus and, with a humble faith and they're desperate for Christ. And they are healed and they are saved and they follow Jesus. Last week, we saw Jesus teach that suffering and sacrifice must come before honor, and true greatness is found in humbly serving others, even as Jesus did when he gave the ultimate example of service, his death on that cross. Even as he goes on this road, as he heals these men, as he's on the road to Calvary, he heals them. He gives us the ultimate example of service, his death on that cross. And today we see Jesus serve others again. Today we see Jesus, through both His power and compassion, demonstrate that He is the God-man Messiah who came to open blind eyes and destroy sin and its effects so that we might follow Him where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's the point of the sermon, which I hope is the point of the text. Or I've failed this morning. Today we see Jesus, through both His power and compassion, demonstrate that He is the God-man Messiah who came to open blind eyes and destroy sin and its effects so that we might follow Him where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Point number one, let's look at the crowd and the two. The crowd and the two. Look again at verses 29 through 31. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him, and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked him, rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Let's think about the crowd for a moment. Great crowds gathered around Jesus and followed Him because He taught like no man ever taught. He did great miracles, and so great crowds followed Him because of the great miracles He did. He fed the people bread and they were filled, and so great crowds followed Him because He gave away free food. We have a crowd of people Tuesday morning because we give away free food. Is anybody that gets that food here today Raise your hand. None. (laughs) But Brother Rob's here because we gave away food. He's a deacon in our church. And so we give away the food because we love this neighborhood and we want to serve people. But people, you can get great crowds. If we gave away free ribeyes, this place will be packed today because they want a ribeye. And so great crowds followed Jesus because he did these signs and wonders and gave away food. He was healing their sick. I mean, how many people would come here this morning if there was a healer here who could heal their cancer and their diseases? Packed out! Packed out! People want to be healed. They don't care about Jesus, but they want to be healed. And so Jesus had crowds following Him for these reasons. But the sad thing is, it doesn't seem that the crowds were following Jesus as true followers, but merely as fans. Fanboys. A man wrote a book called "Not a Fan," and his one of the points of the book was many people follow Jesus as fans, but not true followers. Beloved, did you notice our text begins and ends with the kind of following of Jesus? Verse twenty nine, and as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. In the last verse, verse thirty four. Immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. This text is sandwiched in following Jesus. And there's a kind of following, a crowd type of following Jesus, and a blind beggar type of following Jesus. And we want to be like the blind beggars. Notice also that the crowd is not modeling the compassion of Jesus because when these two blind men cry out to Jesus for mercy, the crowd rebukes them and tells them to be silent. This crowd probably thought of these men as cursed by God or under God's judgment because of their blindness and because of their personal sin. They, they probably are thinking like the disciples of Jesus did in John 9 that this man must have sinned and, and, and these men must have sinned and so they're born blind. Remember John 9, two and 3? His disciples ask Him, Jesus' disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And, and Jesus corrects their prosperity gospel theology. Neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. But this crowd probably thought of these blind men this way. They've sinned. They deserve this. They're cursed by God because of their uh, their blindness shows this. Also, beloved, remember the law of God did not allow the blind to be priests. They could not draw near to God to sacrifice. Leviticus 21, 17-19, for the generation to come... Uh, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame. And so these men would have been viewed as total outcasts, cursed by God and forgotten. But true followers of Jesus will grow to be more and more like Jesus, imitating His love and compassion. Beloved, may we never... Act like this crowd and discourage anyone from ever crying out to Jesus. May we bring people to Jesus. May we bring people to Jesus. Children, think about how you can bring your friends to Jesus and not discourage them to come to Jesus. We want to bring people to Jesus. And we see in our text, Jesus does not forget these men. Jesus does not forget these men. And so that's the crowd. Let's think about the two for a moment. We see two men in our passage today who seem to be left out. They're not part of the crowd. They are on the roadside. They are blind. They're crying out to Jesus for help. They're rebuked by the crowd. Be quiet, be quiet. And yet Jesus, notice this, beloved, Jesus cares for the two. Jesus doesn't just care about the crowds. Jesus cares about the two. Jesus' eye is on the two and Jesus' eye is on you, beloved. Do you believe that? As the hymn says, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow and I know He watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. Beloved, remember from this text that Jesus goes after the one lost sheep. He cares about the one. He cares about the two. Remember Luke fifteen seven. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus cares about the little person, he cares about the small, the weak, the needy. He cares about the two, not just the crowd. And, beloved, there is great mercy when you are remembered by Jesus, who is all in all. There's great mercy. When you are remembered by Jesus, who is all in all. Remember Nehemiah 13, 31. Remember me, O my God, for good. God, remembered David. Psalm 25, 6-7. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. The Lord remembered Jeremiah and Jeremiah 15, 15. O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me. Remember when Jesus remembered the thief on the cross. He cried out in Luke 23, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Beloved, take this lesson from our text. No matter how small, no matter how nameless, no matter how blind, no matter how poor, no matter how needy, no matter how helpless you are or think you are this morning, Jesus will remember you. Jesus will remember you. And then we see the need of the two. The need of the two. They know that they're needy. These two beggars know that they're needy. That They, they have no self-perception that they have everything they need. They, 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 they're, they're, they're not self-righteous like the, the, the rich young ruler who's done all these things from his youth. These, these two blind beggars know that they need something they don't have. They're blind. They can't see. Shut your eyes and imagine that that is what you will see for the rest of your life. Go ahead, just, just do it for a moment. Shut your eyes. And, and just consider if during this sermon that happened. Boom, you lose your eyesight. Never again to see. And that's all that you'll see for the rest of your life. How often we take for granted our sight Beloved, note this, that Jesus gives sight to the blind more often than any other miracle. Jesus Christ gives sight to the blind more often than any other miracle He performs. Giving sight to the blind was never done in the Old Testament. Nor has it ever been done since Jesus' ministry. Only Jesus does this. Only Jesus gives sight to the to the blind and blindness is such a powerful illustration of need that God uses this very language of opening blind eyes to describe what must happen to lost sinners when Jesus spoke to Paul at his conversion and gave him his commission and so so this this blindness of sight is a reminder to us of the effects of sin in the world. Not necessarily because of their personal sin are they blind, but just because sin is in the world, things like blindness are in the world. And it reminds us of the effects of sin, the effects of the fall. And, and God uses this, this opening of eyes to remind us of, of the fact that we need our eyes open to who Christ is, our eyes open to our sin, our eyes open to the need of salvation that we have in Christ. Acts 26, 17 through 18. God says, I'm sending you, Paul, to open their eyes, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins in a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There are people all around us who can see but are blind. Your neighbors who don't believe in Jesus. They can see with their physical eyes, but they're blind, and they need us, like the Apostle Paul, to go and open their eyes. You open their eyes. Yes, Calvinists, you go open their eyes, the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. We have to be able to use biblical language, or we need to change our theology. And so, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God is king. Yes, God has to open their eyes. But you go open their eyes, he told the Apostle Paul. By sharing the gospel, by sharing the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ, you open their eyes. Acts 16, 17 through 18. How do we do that? How do we open their eyes? How do we do what only God can do? By telling them the everlasting gospel. Friend, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are glad that you're here, but we want you to desperately know your condition as desperate, that you are worse off than these blind beggars. You're blind. You're blind to your sin. You, you find your sin appealing. You, you think that your sin makes you happy, that gives you pleasure, that is something good that you pursue. As, as Brother Anthony preached Uh, a couple weeks ago your your, your God is your belly everything you want it it comes down to your glands what makes me feel good what sensations do I have let me do this let me do that because it makes me feel good that's how sinners live they just want to do what makes them happy sin They're, they're sinner hedonists they pursue pleasure and however they can get it that's how we're all born we're all born that way I did chapel at Philmont Christian Academy this Friday and I told these little children that they're born hating Jesus. (laughs) I don't know how long they're going to keep inviting me. When I said that, these little kids' eyes, mouths (gasps) dropped. You're born hating Jesus. Parents, you tell your kids that? They're born hating Jesus Christ. Born dead in sin. Born children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's all of us. We're born hating Jesus. Born hating God. We would kill him if we could. That's what the Bible says. And so we deserve God's wrath for our sin. For our God hatred and our sin loving. We deserve God's wrath in hell. But God loves people who hate him. God loves Jesus' haters. God loves them. And He sent His Son to die for people who hate Him. He sent Jesus into the world, the God-man who lived a perfect life, who we see even today in our text living and loving and serving and and caring for, for the least of these. And Jesus came and lived that way. He spoke like no man ever spoke. He did miracles like no one ever did miracles before, making the blind to see and loved like no one ever loved, and yet they killed Him anyway. Jesus died on that cross and suffered. He suffered the curse and wrath and judgment of God. He bore the wrath of God. He died on that cross, and He was buried, and on the third day, He rose from the dead. He conquered death. He conquered death. I was running, running around the, 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 the reservoir, and, and I was handing out my tracts, and this guy said, uh, I don't, I know, no, 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 thank you. I'm Muslim, and I, I wish I'd, I wish I'd, I'd I had my hairphones fil- on. I was listening to a sermon, but I wish I'd have stopped and I said, but sir, I, I wanted to do it real innocently, like like a child. Sir, but 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 Muhammad, did you not know Muhammad's dead and Jesus is alive? You're pro- he's dead. He, he can't help you. Did you did you know? Did you know this? He might not know that. (laughs) Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Confucius is dead. Jesus is alive. Muhammad can't save anybody. Sir, do you know this? I want you to have life. Please, please come to Jesus who conquered death. He got up from the tomb. He's alive. He reigns forevermore. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's calling all people everywhere to turn from sin. Turn from your love of sin. Turn from false religion and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You can't earn this. You can't work for it. You can't clean your life up enough to be acceptable to Jesus. He justifies the ungodly by faith alone. You can simply receive Him and rest on Him and trust in Jesus. Friend, if you've never done that today, I urge you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today and you shall be saved. Come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be here. There are other brothers and sisters in Christ who would love to speak with you and pray with you. We want you to know Jesus and be saved by Him today. Well, these blind beggars knew they needed Saving, They needed a Savior. They needed someone to save them from blindness, both physical and spiritual. And we see point number two, they, they, the cry of the two. The cry of the two. Look at verses 30 through 31. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them and telling them to be silent Eh, 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 but they cried out all the more lord have mercy on us son of david beloved notice these blind men cry out to the right person they cry out to the only one who has ever made the blind to see jesus is the only one who can grant these men sight and he's the only one who can save us from our sins Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through me, Jesus said. Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 John 5:12: Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. They come to the right place. These blind men come to the right place. Second, notice these, these blind men call Jesus Lord. Three times in our passage, they call Him Lord, Lord, Lord. It is true that this word can simply mean a polite sir or a title of honor, but I think these men mean more than merely sir. I think they know more about Jesus than that He is a mere sir. They may know that He is Lord and God like Thomas knew and whether they knew or not he is (laughs) Jesus is Lord Jesus is God John 20, 28 Thomas answered him after he'd been raised from the dead and called him my Lord and my God and beloved the reason I believe they knew more is because they're asking Jesus to do what only God can do and only what God said he can do in the Old Testament Exodus 4, 10-11, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since. You have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Psalm 146, 8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. Jesus does this. Jesus does what only God can do. Jesus is God. And they call Him Lord three times. These blind men cry out, Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Mercy is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. They're crying out, Please show us love. Please show us compassion. Please show us kindness. Please heal us. They knew they needed mercy. And they knew that they could not help themselves. They see their need. Beloved, this morning, do you see your need? Do you see your need, even as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, for mercy? His mercies are new every morning. I walk into church this morning, come up. We have a nice free fountain. A nice free fountain. Some people have been complaining to me that they don't like that that ever flowing fire hydrant that is, keeps flowing water. It sounds like a nice flowing fountain to me. I have my own free pool on the corner and it reminds me it just runs and runs and runs. And I call the water department and they come and try to fix it and can't. And I call the water department again and they can't do anything. And the water just keeps flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. An everlasting fountain. Friend, let that remind you of, of God's mercies new every morning. It just keeps flowing. Let it remind you of the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. We have a a providential reminder of God's never-ceasing mercy on the corner of Chew and American. So cry out for mercy. It's new every morning. There's more mercy, more forgiveness, more salvation. Cry out for mercy. Like these blind beggars, Charles Spurgeon said, Have enough faith, dear reader, to believe that you need mercy. Mercy is not for those who think they have merited it. Such people seek justice, not mercy. Only the guilty need and seek mercy. Believe that God delights in mercy, delights to give grace where it cannot be deserved, delights to forgive where there is no reason for forgiveness but His own goodness. Believe also that the Lord Jesus Christ is the incarnation of mercy. His very existence is mercy to you. His very word means mercy. His life, His death, His intercession in heaven all mean mercy, 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 nothing but mercy. You need divine mercy and Jesus is the embodiment of divine mercy. He is the Savior for you. Believe in Him and the mercy of God is yours. Beloved, let me remind you again in the Old Testament, God's people cried to God for mercy. Psalm 123, 2-3, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of their mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us. Psalm 147, 11, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His mercy. In the New Testament, these blind men cry out to Jesus for mercy. Beloved, Jesus is God. Cry out to Him for mercy. These blind men call Jesus the Son of David. They, they call Jesus the Son of David. This is the name for the Messiah who would come to save His people. These blind men believe. They they see in in that sense. They're they're blind physically, but they see so much spiritually. They see that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Christ, the anointed one, He's the King who would save his people from their sins. He, he is the fulfillment of what, what, what God told David in Second Samuel 7, 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish his, the throne of his kingdom forever. That's about Jesus. That's pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Acts 2, 30-32, as as, uh, 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 we're told about David being a prophet in Psalm 16, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we are all witnesses. Jesus is the son of David. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And when these blind men are rebuked, they're rebuked to be silent by the crowd. Notice what they do. They cry out all the more. They cry out all the more. When, when they face obstacles and hardships, they keep coming and they keep coming all the more. They come repeatedly and they come harder and they come louder. That's the Burlsworth way. Brandon Burlsworth, true story about the greatest walk on in American football history, walked on to the University of Arkansas and had all kinds of obstacles, but he kept coming. He's a believer too, trusted Jesus. Kept coming, kept coming. They said he couldn't do this, impossible. No, you can't do it. He kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, and ended up being signed to play for the Indianapolis Colts. And a week before he got the big check and got paid, To pay back all the money his mom had gone into debt for so he could do all that, he died in a car wreck and went to be with Jesus. These blind beggars kept coming. And when they faced obstacles, they faced hardships, they they had trouble. They didn't say, Oh, well, guess God closed that door. They broke it open. Guess God closed that door. Guess I might as well quit that. No, break the door open. Break it down by the spirit and faith. We need a little bit more of that maybe in the Reformed uh, faith. A little bit more man's responsibility. You go open their eyes. (laughs) Don't let God's sovereignty in in any way uh, uh, suppress our responsibility. Spurgeon was a Calvinist. He believed in the elect, but he said, save the elect and elect some more. Went into the highways and byways and compelled them to come in and preach the gospel. If they go to hell, they'll go over my dead body, Spurgeon would say. Break that door down by faith in Jesus Christ. These men didn't let obstacles stop them. They kept crying out louder. They were like Jacob in Genesis 32, 26 When he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. I mean, what if Jacob, oh, I guess God's closing the door. He's wrestling with me. I guess he won't give me that blessing. I guess I'll stop. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Wrestling with God. Do we wrestle with God in prayer like that? Luke 18, 1-5. Uh, 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 th- th- these beggars are like the persistent widow. He, Jesus told this parable to the effect that they ought not ought always to pray and not lose heart. And, and, and this unjust judge, he, he, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Keep coming. Keep praying. Keep seeking the Lord. This is, the, this is the, the Jacob way. This is the blind beggar's way. This is the, the persistent widow way. This is the Syrophoenician way. I keep bringing her up. I love her. Her disciples told her to go away. Jesus' disciples told her to go away. Jesus ignored her. Jesus said he wasn't sent for her. Jesus said it wasn't good to help her. Jesus calls her a little dog. And she keeps coming. Keeps coming. Keeps coming. Keeps crying for mercy. 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 Maybe God seems silent to you now. Maybe it seems like Jesus is ignoring you. Maybe it it, it seems like Jesus wasn't sent for you, that it's not good for Jesus to help you. Maybe you feel like Jesus is insulting you by the life that he's given you. Keep crying for mercy. Like these blind beggars, keep crying. Cry louder. Cry longer. (laughs) Cry more repeatedly. More persistently. Keep crying to Jesus for mercy. This is the Jesus way. This is the Jesus way. Jesus, more than anybody, persisted in the face of obstacles and hardship and pain and suffering. This is the Jesus way. Beloved, do you pursue the Lord Jesus Christ this way? In the face of loss and pain and suffering and all manner of obstacles. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith in Him, do it. Pursue Him this way. And then point number 3 we see a merciful encounter with Jesus. Look at verses 32 and 34. 34. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, "What do you want me to do for you?" They said to him, "Lord, let our eyes be opened." And Jesus in pity touching their eyes, touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Beloved, notice that Jesus stops. And stopping Jesus stops. One commentator comments how remarkable that the Son of Man allows the cries of a poor and powerless person to stop Him in His tracks. Beloved, I ho- hope you see the, the, the kindness and compassion and love and mercy of, of Jesus that, that when you cry to Him, He loves you so much. His eyes on the sparrow, his eyes on you. He will stop for you. He stops. Jesus stops because he's gracious and merciful, compassionate and loving, and he cares about the most helpless. Jesus is the king of mercy. He's the king of pity. He's the king of kindness. He's, he's the king of compassion. He's the king of love. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Do you know my king today? And Jesus asked the same question he asked James, John, and their mother. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I wonder how you would answer that question this morning. If Jesus asked you, what do you want me to do for you? Beloved, Jesus cares about what these beggars want. He cares about what you want. He cares about what these beggars want. Jesus asked them what they want Him to do for them. Jesus does care about what we want. He cares about our desires, our longings. He cares, but, but He always knows what we ought to want. <laughs> he, he knows we, we want stuff, we want things, but Jesus knows what we ought to want. And and beloved, that's why I, I so encourage you to pray the Bible. Pray the Bible. Pray God's Word back to Him. Jesus cares about what we want, but He always knows what we ought to want, and He often doesn't settle for giving us what we want, but He always gives us what is best for us. He doesn't always settle for giving us what He wants, but He, he does always give us what is best for us. Romans eight twenty eight. what will conform us to the image of His Son is what we most need, and it's what we, we, we should most want, to be more like Jesus. And it's in that context that we have that great promise of Romans eight twenty eight. He works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. All things for good. Richard Ellis said this, the life that you have now is the life that you would pray for if you had the wisdom of God. Beloved, look at these blind beggars and and take an example from them to to pour out your deepest longings and desires to Jesus. God wants you to come to Him and, and pour out your deepest longings and desires. Ask Him for what you want and trust Him to give you what is best. And pray that He changes your deepest longings and, and desires to align with His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Pray that He changes your deepest longings and desires to align with His good and pleasing and perfect will. And we see in our text that Jesus does have pity on them. Look at verses 33 and 34. Lord, Let our eyes be open. That's what they wanted. They wanted to see. They're blind. They can't see anything. They want to see. They want their eyes opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they received, they recovered their sight. Jesus has pity. Jesus has compassion. Jesus loves these men. He cares about them. He even cares about their physical needs and their temporary sufferings. Jesus has pity and compassion and love and care for these men and He has pity and compassion and love for you as well, beloved. Dane Ortland writes, nothing can touch you that does not touch Christ. To get to you, every pain, every assault, every disappointment has to go through Him. You are shielded by invincible love. He Himself fills your anguish even more deeply than you do because you're one with Him. And He mediates everything hard in your life through His love for you because you're one with Him. And so like these blind beggars, Jesus says to you this morning, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we see in this passage, Jesus causes the blind to see. Verse 34, and immediately, and immediately they recovered their sight. Like others in the Bible, Jesus doesn't need to pray to God to restore sight. He doesn't need to rely on someone else. He has life in Himself. And immediately, they want to be healed, He does it. Immediately, they recover their sight. And this is exactly what we're told in the prophets that the Messiah would do, that God would do. Isaiah 29, 18, in that day, out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. Isaiah 35, 4 through 5, be strong, fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Jesus is doing that; He's fulfilling Isaiah twenty-nine and Isaiah thirty-five. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior who's coming to the world. He's God who's come to save. I love the hymn "Joy to the World." Joy to the world! The Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. And I thought the one line could be changed. To be appropriate for this passage this morning, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor blind men cry for sight. He comes to make His blessings flow For as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. You see, blindness is part of the curse. Blindness is part of the fall. Blindness is part of the effects of of sin in this world. Not necessarily personal sin for the blind person, but just generally sin is in the world and therefore generally blindness is in the world. Deformity is in the world. Brokenness is in the world. And Jesus came and by healing the blind, he's showing there's a new sheriff in town. The second Adam is here. The greater Adam is here to fix what the last Adam messed up. The first Adam messed up. He is the last Adam. And so he comes, and far as the curse is found, he's making his blessings flow and healing the blind, making the blind to see and making the deaf to hear and raising people from the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, and having mercy on lost sinners. Beloved, may God allow us to see and feel God's mercy like these blind men. Can you imagine I mean, can you imagine what it would be like to be blind your whole life and then you can see? I mean, maybe some of you have similar infirmities, similar sicknesses, similar weaknesses, similar pains in your life that you just wish would be alleviated. And if they were this morning, like right now, boom, they stopped. Lord, we pray. We believe you can do that. We believe that the same Jesus we're reading about is the same Jesus who lives and is alive today and that you can do that. And we pray that you would heal people in our church of their sicknesses and pains and sufferings. We pray that you would heal Nehemiah Sproul. We pray that you would heal Rose Sproul. And we believe you could do that right now. And we pray you'd do it for Jesus' sake and for your glory, O oh God. We believe that. If you don't believe that, you got a pipsqueak God. You need to find another God. you got a pipsqueak God that ain't the God of the Bible. We don't worship pipsqueak free will gods. We worship sovereign gods who rule and reign. And so just imagine that. Just imagine if if that pain, that suffering in, in your life, that physical pain, you were healed today, how happy you would be. Beloved, I want you to know God has done something greater. Even if you have to keep that ailment for the rest of your life, God has done something greater than healing you from that that should make you scream and shout. He has shown you more mercy than the healing of these blind men. More mercy. Far more mercy than just the mere healing of blind eyes. And we ought to be amazed. More so than if he took away that infirmity. John Piper writes, So when you go home each week from these messages, be stunned that you are a beneficiary of mercy. Be reminded and stunned that you and I deserve nothing but wrath from God. And in Christ, receive nothing but mercy from Him. Be stunned and then pray that God would would make you merciful to the undeserving. Oh, how sweet marriages would be if we stopped thinking about what we deserve and thought more about how to show more mercy, how to do more undeserved good to each other. Oh, how sweet would be the fellowship of the church if we all really felt undeserving of any good and lavished with God's mercy. And oh, how bright the gospel would shine if we touched the poor with Christ-exalting mercy. May God raise up many who will build with joy ministries of mercy to the city and to the nations. Oh, Father, please do this at Only Baptist Church and all the churches for Jesus' sake. And then, beloved, notice the two who were blind but now can see follow Jesus. Remember, our text began with the crowds following him. Our text ends, the last words, verse 34. And followed Him. And followed Him. They get the greatest gift, even better than the gift of sight. They get to be with Jesus where there's fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. This is the promise for all who follow Jesus. They follow Him. They follow Jesus. They get to be with Jesus. They get to know Jesus. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our treasure. They get to be with Him. Beloved, note that Jesus doesn't open everyone's eyes physically or spiritually, nor is He obligated to do so. Jesus doesn't open everyone's eyes physically or spiritually, nor is He obligated to do so. Remember John 12, 39-40? Therefore, they could not believe these Jews that Jesus was preaching to, these Jews who were in the very presence of Jesus, who saw his miracles, they would not believe. And, and the text says, therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes. God has blinded their eyes. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God does what he pleases, he's God. He blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Beloved, that could have been me. That could have been you. God would be just as just, loving, and merciful, and gracious, and kind if He had hardened my heart when I was a senior in high school and set me on a path of destruction that led to hell forever. He could have done that. He could have hardened my heart and blinded my eyes, and yet He chose not to. He chose to open my eyes. Beloved, do you feel the mercy in that? Do you see how amazing that is? That He opened your eyes. He softened your heart. He gave you faith. If you're here this morning, you're trusting in Christ. It's amazing grace. And if you're a Christian, God has opened your eyes spiritually. And who you are in Christ is the most important thing about who you are. We spoke about identity this past week in our Wednesday night uh, study This is the point here. If you're a Christian, that means He's opened your eyes spiritually. He's saved you. He's justified you. He's forgiven all your sins, past, present, and future. He's counted you righteous in Christ. The righteousness of Christ covers you like like a dashiki, Like, like your coat, like your clothes. Christ's righteousness covers you and all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And and you're in Christ. And the most important thing about you is not whether you preached a good sermon. The most important thing is not whether you're a good pastor, whether you're a good mother, a good father, a good husband, a good wife, a good child, a good student, a good seminary student, a good Drexel student. The most important thing about you is you're in Christ. And He is your identity. Daniel Dorani writes, I recently saw a pastor who went through seminary with me He was always a man's man, strong and energetic. A few years ago, he contracted a neurological disorder that is steadily burning out his synapses. I have no idea what those are, but I looked it up. That's where nerve impulses are transmitted between cells. He's slowly losing his energy, his balance, his muscular control, his speech control. He said, "'This illness has shown me that I still go after false lovers like health. I can still think that Jesus is not enough, that I also need to be healthy and energetic to be happy. But I am learning to find my sufficiency in Jesus.' He paused. "'I know I wouldn't be able to handle this without the resources of the gospel. I know God can use this to make me more like Jesus.' The resurrection teaches me that God can take the worst thing that ever happened and make it the best thing that ever happened. Oh, beloved, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do for you this morning? Ask Him. Ask Him. Pray to Him and ask Him. And trust Him that He knows best. Jesus, through both His power and compassion, demonstrates that He is the God-man Messiah who came to open blind eyes and destroy sin and its effects so that we might follow Him and be with Him where there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And we have all this amazing mercy because Jesus allowed Himself to be blinded He allowed Himself to be blindfolded where He could not see and be beaten and mocked. He allowed Himself to be overtaken with the darkness while He hung on that cross, while He bore the wrath of God. And He died. But then He rose up from the dead to be the greatest light, the light of the world. Jesus heals the begging blind and shows them tender mercy kind if they will truly trust and find all joys and hopes in Him combined. Poor blind beggars are by the road. From anguish their hearts might explode. They could not bear their heavy load and hoped for mercy their cries showed. The Savior stopped and looked and slowed for from His heart... Compassion flowed, and on these men his grace bestowed, for Christ himself was on the road to bleed and die for what we owed and wash away our sinful load. He rose alive, the grave exploded, and in his life grace overflowed. They cried for mercy loud and clear, Thou son of David, turn your ear, our cries for mercy, won't you hear? Some followers rebuked and sneer. The crowd won't let them come, draw near, but they won't be held back by fear. For all the louder they will cheer and cry for Jesus to appear. From their ambition they won't veer, and finally Jesus does come near and grants them sight, makes light appear. Oh, what a son of David's here! He stands alone and without peer. He is the God man we revere. He died the worst death so severe and conquered death at his great premiere. His love is deep. And true, sincere, only in Him does life cohere. By faith in Him, you must draw near. He'll grant you joy and wipe your tear. Their mercy cries made Christ stand still. To help these men was His good will To save the poor, He has a zeal. He'll cure all those He finds are ill. The sick and blind, He came to heal. To do all this, He climbed that hill where for His sheep, His blood He'd spill. When on that cross they'd strip and kill the only one who did God's will. This sight should grip your heart and chill. The loving Son of God they'd kill. But without this, we'd still be ill. And since our Christ did all God's will, then rose up from the tomb with zeal, all God desires He will fulfill. So we can be with Him and heal. In Him we'll have eternal thrill. We once were blind, but now we see. It's Christ who saved a wretch like me. Our sin does blind to great degree. Christ had to die to set us free. Amazing that the one in three would come to earth, a man he'd be, and die upon that gruesome tree. His resurrection is the key to carry out God's full decree. Confess your sins with him agree. In Christ's arms by faith you'll flee. He'll cast your sins into the sea and then to others make this plea. Christ Jesus is the God who'd heal, the mercy heart who'd pity fill and make the blind to see reveal that he's Messiah come with zeal, the son of David, king for real, who'd take our hell, God's wrath ordeal, and crush that serpent with his heel. By faith alone, we're just and kneel down low to Christ, our Lord ideal. He changed our hearts. So now we feel compassion, love, and godly zeal for others and for Christ who's real. For He's our all, our strength, our zeal. Father, we pray that this would be true of us. We pray, Lord God, that if there's anyone like the blind beggars in this room that have never come to Christ for spiritual sight, we pray that today would be the day, Lord, that that they come and believe on Christ and cry out to Christ for mercy based on His death and resurrection. We pray that You would save sinners today, Father. We pray that You would begin the, the process through which sinners come to know the truth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for those who are helplessly chained and bound to sin in their lives who can't stop doing what they hate. We pray, God, that today would be the day that You set them free, that they cry out to You like beggars for the everlasting, infinite fountain of mercy and that You set them free. Deliver us, O God, from sin. Father, we pray for every believer here today. Lord, that we would truly find You, Lord Jesus, to be our all and our strength and our zeal. And Lord, you would help us have compassion and pity on the poor and the weak and the needy and on sinners, even as you, Lord Jesus, had on these blind beggars. And that you would use us to love like Christ in this world, love our neighbors, love need, love the people around us, love the lost, love the poor. Help us, God, be all that you want us to be for Christ and for your glory. Make us loving and humble and compassionate, we pray.